I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to the second book of Second Chronicles, the first chapter. So never mind, Second Corinthians, <laughs> the first chapter. <laughs> I knew Chronicles didn't sound right. Second Corinthians, the first chapter. We've been starting for this month just kind of looking at being grateful, the attitude of thanks, um, because I believe this is a great opportunity for Christians to live in the world right now, a world that is um, filled with lots of questions, fears, anxieties, just, just kind of just weirdness. And it's a chance for us to live differently and, and obviously differently by living with gratitude because it's hard to be anxious. It's hard to be, it's hard to be uh, fearful. It's hard to be distressed. It's hard to be down when you're truly grateful. And so we're, we're just trying to challenge ourselves to, to live grateful lives. And so last week we were talking about being grateful or thank, giving thanks for the gospel. And, and I hope I, the, those of you who took your time to kind of check yourself and look through the gospel and, and look into your life and say, yes, you know, I have a true abiding hope for life eternal in the presence of God, that that has been a source of gratitude. That's been a source of just uplifting through the week. This week, we're going to learn to be grateful for something else, and that is thanks for adversity. Um, I'm using this symbol, the classic Thanksgiving symbol of the cornucopia. Uh, it, it is a symbol that means plenty. Uh, it, we use it this time. It's usually filled with all kinds of good things. And, and we talk about counting our blessings and looking at this symbol. And that may be true for some people's lives. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of people's life that their cornucopia, their, the thing that is filled, it's filled with adversity. It's filled with trouble. It's filled with, with distress. It's filled with things not going. And, and, and though we count our blessings, and, and I think that's right for us to do, we must admit that life is often and quite often filled with things that aren't so good. We have a cornucopia of adversity throughout life. If you haven't experienced that yet, just hang on for a little while. Because about the only thing I can pretty much guarantee everybody is adversity is coming. Um, and, and, that, and, that, and that's a, a real truth that we have to face. It just will take time sometimes for us to really get there. Well, there's a set of teachings. I'm, I'm going to read some scriptures to you. You hang out there at, at 2 Corinthians, and, and we're, I'm going to catch up with you in a minute. But there's a set of teachings in scripture that are really very challenging for us as followers of Christ, as, as disciples. And they revolve around this idea of giving thanks or, or, or being grateful in the midst of adversity. Now, and we read, and, and what I come to realize is that we often read these things and we kind of maybe read them with this pie in the sky kind of attitude. That we read them like, oh yeah, Christians should be thankful for this. But, but we never maybe think about, this is a command of God who I say I follow this is not only what he teaches, this is what he expects from me to be thankful in these moments and, and that we have to maybe work hard to, to do that. And so I, I just want to give you a sampling of this teaching throughout scripture. So first one is James 1 verses 2 and 4, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete Lacking in nothing. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in most circumstances. Oh, never mind. Give thanks in all circumstances. 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will of God for us is to be always grateful in all circumstances. And as I was poking fun a few weeks ago, I've really researched that word, that Greek word for all. And it means all. So there we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. This is part of the Great Commission. I mean, the, the, the great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount that Christ was, was speaking, uh, the part of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for you are rewarded great, is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When people talk bad about you, mistreat you, say all kinds of slanderous things about you, rejoice and be glad. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also obtain access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope for the glory of God. Not only that we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not uh, put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That we rejoice because of the hope growing us while we suffer. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-7. through seven, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you may have been grieving by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that per, uh, perishes though it, is tested through, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor to, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think the, the overall teaching throughout Scripture is pretty clear. That God is instructing us because of, because of who He is, because of the relationship we have with God, because of the gospel, that, that eternal hope we have, because of grace, because there's nothing we can do to earn it, because of the hope we have of who God is and, and that relationship, and because of our anticipation of paradise, disciples of Jesus are instructed and expected by God to be thankful for adversity. Now, that's the what. I mean, and simply put, God expects us to be grateful for adversity, to give thanks when we have affliction, for when things go from bad to worse, when it's, uh, as I told you, my, my, my count, uh, um, the, the leader of my camp would often say, don't worry, Jason, it's always darkest right before the bottom drops out. You know, when we're in those moments that we're taught and expected to be grateful I think if we're really honest, and, and, and I know many of you have been or in those kind of situations, and being thankful in these moments is a great challenge for us. But if we're going to take the instruction and the expectation serious, then we need to answer not the what, but the how. 
how do we do this? How is it possible to live in these moments and be thankful? And so that's what I want to get to today is the how. First thing I want to tell you is that being thankful is a choice. It's something we do. Most of the time, I, I, I personally don't know that I've ever really met someone who was in one of these afflictions and one of these adverse situations where they felt like being thankful. You know, that, that, that if it relies on our emotions totally, well, then we're probably not going to get there. And we just have to kind of say, being thankful is a choice I can make. I've been answering, I've been trying to, I always have been careful about, you know, that general greeting we do, you know, when people walk up to you, you say, how are you doing? Fine. How are you? Fine. You know, that kind of thing we do. How are you doing? Good. You know, and kind of just roll on. And, um, I, and I've always tried to be thoughtful about answering that question. So when people ask me that, sometimes I pause and I think, and sometimes I say, you know, it's been kind of a stinky day already, you know, or, or whatever. And, and, and it's funny, sometimes you answer that way and people say, well, that's good. You know, I'm doing good too. And I'm like, Okay? Because we do that without thinking sometimes, right? We just pass each other good, 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 good. And we just kind of, we know what the answer is coming before we even answer it. And so throw it in there. It's really been horrible today. And just see if they react rightly. You might can have some fun with that. But what I've been saying lately and trying to remind myself about is I answer people, I've decided that it's going to be a good day. I've decided to be good today. No matter what. And just trying to remind myself that part of my attitude is up to my decision about my mindset. I think the Bible talks to us about, about getting our mind right and understanding who Christ is, and that should affect how we live. And so what I want to walk through today is first that being thankful is a choice, but I want to give you some reasons to be thankful, some, some reasons that will help you to do the how, how you would do this. I'm actually going to give you six biblical reasons that we can be thankful in adversity, and it comes from this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start reading with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we, ought, we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for our it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, and we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly beyond utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired for life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death that we that was to make us but that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that we will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on, your, on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. 
And so I want us to kind of walk through this, the kind of six biblical reasons that we can give thanks. Now, I want to explain something. You're going to see, we'll, I'll show you the first one. That little phrase up top, we can be thankful, is, is the first thing I want to just kind of point out. Because I phrase that, it's an opportunity. We can be thankful. The question we must face is, will I be thankful? The, 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 the opportunity is there for us. The truth of the matter is, we, might, we can be thankful, sometimes we choose not to be. And so the first thing I want to see is that, that, that being thankful is possible even in the worst situations if we have this right mindset. And there's, there's six of those. So if I was asked this question today, I might give you a chance to answer. You can raise your hand if you want to. If I came to you this morning and said, how many of you would like to experience the presence of God in your life? How many of you would raise your hand to that? How many of you would be like, I'm all about some, you know, experiencing the presence of God in my life. Sign me up. Give me a double dose. Anybody want a double dose of the experience of God? All right. Well, the first thing we got to realize is that we can be thankful because affliction is the setting for God's comfort. That it is in affliction, it's in the adversity. This is often when we get to experience God's presence in our lives. It is, it, this is the setting for us to experience God's comfort. If I was to ask you, do you want to be comforted by God? You would probably also raise your hand in that case too. Well, the bad news or the backside of that is for you to be comforted by God, you've got to be in an uncomfortable place. You've got to have a setting that God needs to show up and give you comfort. We talk about how many, if I was to ask you, how many of you would like to have the peace that passes understanding in your life? You would probably raise your hand for that too. Well, you've got to be in a situation where peace doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it's the peace that passes understanding. And if you're in a situation where everything's peaceful, everything's content, everything's like it should be, well, we're all going to go, well, of course you're peaceful. You're in the peaceful situation. It's when you're in an unpeaceful, an uncomfortable, an adverse situation that you have peace. That's when it doesn't make sense. That's when people go, why are they so peaceful? You know what's going on in their life? Have you heard what's happening? That don't make sense. And that's when you experience it. it I was thinking about that, and I, and I remember just remembering back. And, and when I think about these things, I, I remember so many of you. <laughs> who have been in adverse situations. And I've seen you bear those often with gratitude. One that stuck out in my, stuck out in my mind with this is when, when Keith had his brain tumor. And I remember visiting him in the hospital. And he was just like cutting jokes and just kind of, and he's like, and later on he's like, I was completely at peace. And I don't know why. But if he hadn't been raided up in the bed with a brain tumor, he wouldn't have experienced that. That was the situation that God was showing up to bring comfort in. And so we must understand and, and be grateful. One of the first things we can say is, God, I'm thankful that you got me in a place where I can experience you. You've got me in a place where I can have the peace that passes understanding that won't leave me. I got a place where I can experience the comfort. The, the beginning of that verse 3 there says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction. The Bible makes numerous promises that God is near to the brokenhearted, to cast your cares on God because he cares for you, that, that we have to be in these settings quite often to see God work. 
Richard Blackaby in his study called Experiencing God says it this way, that if we want to see God act, if we want to, to get into a place where we can actually see God take action and do miracles, well, we have to be in a hole so big we can't get out of it. If we only ever get in holes that we can take care of ourselves, there's no need for God to show up. And so, so it's in these adverse situations and the affliction that we can be, one of the things we can be thankful for is now I'm in a place where I can actually see God. Because if God don't show up, I'm in over my head. And so that's one thankful thing we can be for. The second one, we can be thankful because we're being prepared for ministry opportunities. The verse goes on chapter three, in, in verse 3. It says, so that, that we're comforted by God, so that, and those are important words, the reason God shows up to comfort us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, if, again, if I was to take another poll and ask a question, how many of you want to be used by God? How many of you want to minister in God's name? How many of you want to have opportunities to serve others, especially those who are in affliction, those who are in adversity, those who are having bad times? How many of you want to be able to be used God to bring light into that situation? I got a feeling a lot of you would raise your hand for that. And one of the things we must realize is that our own affliction, our own adversity is a training ground for future ministry. That these are our, that God's preparing us for an opportunity that may come. And if we are thankful in those situations, it sets our mind to looking for the opportunity that will arrive. If we are not thankful when we're going through that, if we're, if we're grumbling and complaining and why am I having to learn, we may miss our future opportunity. We may miss that future ministry that you are being uniquely prepared to speak into somebody else's life. I think that has to go along. I think this goes hand in hand with a promise from Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, And we know that, all, that, that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. I think some of the good that works out of those bad situations in our life is our opportunity to minister to others. And, and, and that's just a, a truth. There are people, you have been uniquely, and I've said this before, you need to hear it again, you have been uniquely prepared to minister to others in many cases. Some of you know the pain of losing a child or not being able to have children. or I can't minister as good as you can in that case. Some of you know what it's like to have cancer in your life and deal with that and go through that. I haven't had that in my life yet. I'm not as prepared to deal. I, I can come along, I can comfort, I can look, I can love, but I can't look someone in the eye and say, I know what you're going through, where you might be able to. Some of you have lost loved ones. Many things that you have experienced has uniquely set you in a place to minister and comfort others with the comfort that you've received. Now, the training isn't fun like most training. But you might be able to be thankful that you are being prepared for a future opportunity of ministry. The next verse goes on. We can be thankful because adversity invigorates hope. The word hope was mentioned numerous times throughout the scripture. I'm going to kind of read again. Verse 5 says, for we abundantly are in Christ." 
For we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that the same that you share in our suffering, you will also share in our comfort. And the truth of the matter is, again, is that, that the hope of a Christian is an expectation that God will work. That, that in this moment, that we live in these moments as hopeful people. That God's going to do something in this situation. That he's going to show up. That he's going to comfort. That he's going to use it. And so all our moments of adversity are, are hope-filled. But it's in that, again, this is the setting that invigorates our hope. If everything is hunky-dory... You're not really hoping for much more. You know, when you're on the mountaintop, you're like, this is pretty good. It gets it. And you're not longing for something better. And what I want us to understand is that God doesn't waste our pain. And so we live in hope. That opening story I shared about the, the, the young lady who, who was hit by a car, and as she reflects back in life, she's able to see God's hand work in those moments. And I think in that closing thing, she said, you know, even in that moment, she's not sure she saw it the same way she does now. And the truth of the matter is, is that many of us have had adversity in our lives. And as we look back, we see what God has done. And we are, we're grateful when we look back and we see how things worked out. But it's, we don't live with that same looking back knowledge in the moment. What we're living with in the moment of adversity is hope. You know, when we look back, we can see it. We can, we can articulate it quite often. We're able to describe it when we look back. But in the moment, all you have is hope that the day will come when you can look back and see it and explain it and make sense of it all. And, and sometimes that happens and maybe sometimes it doesn't. But we still, and, and those who don't get to that place where they can see it, they continue to live in hope. I've heard many people say, well, I just one day I may figure out why this happened when I get to heaven. <laughs> and that, that, that moment, that, and even in those moments, they're hoping that one day all of it will make sense. And I believe much of it will when we get to that final close, but in the moments of adversity, we have to live with hope. And it fires up our hope because we want something better. It invigorates our hope. Now, I want to take a moment to chase a little bit of a rabbit at this point. How many of you have ever heard this saying? God won't give me more than I can handle. And most bumper stickers have this little, I just wish he didn't trust me so much on the bottom of it, right? Well, you, if you have your notes, that's written out on your notes, I want you to very carefully take a pen or a pencil and draw a line through it. Mark it out. Because God never said that. It's not in the Bible anywhere. The closest thing in the scripture is that to, the Bible makes a promise to us that God won't let us be tempted beyond what we're able to handle. And what that teaching teaches us is that when we sin, it's our fault. <laughs> that God said, the Bible actually says that God will provide a way to escape all temptations if we'll take it. The fact of the matter is we don't often take it. And so we're completely responsible for when we give in to temptation. But when it comes to adversity, when it comes to handling bad things, God never promises that he won't allow us to have more than we can handle. The truth of the matter, if you'll look at verse 8 along with me, Paul actually teaches the exact opposite. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. 
For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired for life itself. Paul is saying, hey, it was a lot more than we can handle. Utterly beyond. <laughs> he's, he's like, this is very, 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 very far beyond what we could do. We're going to die is what Paul felt like. And so the, the true teaching of the word is that we do enter situations that are utterly beyond what we can handle. The problem with that teaching, and the reason I want to take the rabbit trail, is this, when we say that, and if you allow yourself to think that, and if you buy into this unbiblical teaching, what it does is really cuts your feet out from under you. Because what it does is it turns the attention to you. People start to say, I'm not strong enough. I'm not faithful enough. I don't have enough faith and know how to exercise it. I, I, I don't know, or I'm being punished for something I did. And I'm sure I deserve this. Or, or I don't know how to pray right and, and how to pray in faith. Otherwise, this wouldn't be going on. And, and God expects me to pick myself up, you know, and, and take care of myself and dust myself off. And, and the reason I'm struggling, it's all about me, is, is that, that I'm just not living up to God's standards because God's not going to give me more than I can handle. And if I'm not handling it, then it's all on me. And that's the exact opposite of what the Bible's trying to teach us to do. The Bible doesn't want us to turn to ourselves when, when we enter affliction and adversity. What he really wants us to do is the next thing that we can be thankful for, which is we can be thankful for situations that push us toward God, to get our minds off ourselves and to think about God. And that's what Paul continues. If you look at the rest part of verse 8, he says, We were utterly beyond our strength that we despaired for life. Indeed, verse 9, we, indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But, if you're a, bar, uh, a Bible marker, I would circle that but right there because that's a big one. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And Paul is able to say, look, I'm, this situation was so far beyond me, it was just to get me to turn back to God again. And if you know, Paul, is, he was one of the guys, you know, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I, I had the Bible memorized. I used to do all this work. I mean, he had, Paul was a strong man who could rely on a lot of his own character. And he said, I needed to be in a situation that turned me and pushed me towards God so I stop relying on myself. And so one of the things you can be thankful for when you enter these situations is that you're in a situation that is trying to push you toward God and not rely on yourself. It is that God is trying to draw you near. And a lot of things, a lot of us have experienced situations, and really what we face when we face adversity, you face a choice. You're either going to draw near to God, or you're going to blame God. I mean, this is the way I see most people handle it. In, in those moments, they either say, this is so I can draw near, get closer, trust him more, rely on him more, or I'm going to get mad at him, blame him, accuse him, and like, why would he do this to me? I don't need that. And so you're either going to draw near or walk away from God in many cases. There's a passage in, in Psalm... Think of it this way, I guess, in some of the adverse situations we, go, we face. 
that God's trying to get us to come close to him so he can take care of us. And I think some of us kind of act like, a, I used to have a friend who was a farmer and he raised cattle. And, and part of the process of raising cattle, you may know, is you have to take care of them. You have to give them shots and you have to, you have to worm them and you have to look to their feet and you have to just look, to, you know, they need care. And the way you do that is you put them in a corral, right? And then you get an electric rod and you start poking them in the backside to try to run them up into this head chute. And they run up in this head chute and you drop this, lock them in around their neck so that they're held in this little tight space so you can work on them. And so you can give them the shots they need, so you can check them out, so the vet can give them their exam and all that kind of stuff. Now, to the cow, that's got to seem like pretty awful. But from the farmer's point of view, this is how I take care of you. This is how I get you close to me so I can look after you and make sure you're healthy and so forth. And I wonder how often we act like those animals, that God's trying to get us corralled. God's trying to get us close so he can look after us, so he can see how we're doing, so he can care for us. And we're kicking and fighting and mooing and screaming and doing everything not to go where he wants us to go so he can look after us. It's interesting in Psalm 32, verses 8 and 11, it instructs us that God wants to tell us the way to go. And it encourages us, don't be like horses and mules that need to be controlled with bits and bridles, but surrender yourself to God who wants to help you there. And so some of these situations, they're, they're, they're there just to push us to God. And the wise person moves close to God and doesn't ignore the situation and turn to himself. We can be thankful because it gives others the opportunity to serve God. And the, and the key there is others. Verse 11 says, you also must help us by prayer. Paul calls to him and said, we're in this bad situation, and you must pray for us. And one of the great things we can be thankful for when we enter these situations is it gives other people a chance to be a disciple. It gives other people a chance to serve God. And I've shared this, and I want to just continue to say this because I see it playing out more and more. There's kind of two humilities in life. The first humility I call the lesser humility. It's the humility that it takes to go and serve someone else. You know, to, to deny yourself, your time, your energy, your money. Go prepare a bowl of soup and give it to someone. Go visit someone while they're in the hospital. Go, go send them a card, you know. And that's a, that's a level of humility that most of us are very comfortable with. We like doing that for other people. because And, and most of us do that. This is how I serve God. This is how I love others. This is how I minister to others by doing these acts of kindness when they're in an adverse situation. The greater humility, and the one that we're usually most uncomfortable with, is the humility to allow people to do that to us. The humility that sits in the bed and says, I can't do anything for myself. I need someone to come clean my house. I need someone to deliver a meal to me. Boy, I could really use a card or a phone call or a visit today and then say, thank you for showing up today because I was really feeling bad and I really needed to see someone. That's really the greater humility. And, and, and without those people who are willing to accept that, the rest of us can't serve God. We can't do the good deeds that God tells us to do if there isn't someone willing to receive it on the other side. And so one of the things you can be thankful for is you're giving other people the opportunity to serve God just by being there and letting them serve you. 
And so for a lot of people, they're praying, God, give me an opportunity to serve you. Give me an opportunity to do nice things for somebody else. Give me an opportunity to share your light in this world. And you might be the answer to that prayer just by needing something. And I think that's the greater humility. And, and, and not so when you receive those things, don't just be grateful to the person. Be grateful that God put you in a situation that someone else can serve him. And you can be that Job who needs his friends to come and help him. <laughs> and the final thing we can be thankful for from this passage. We can be thankful because our affliction can cause others to praise God. The, the verse closes. He says, you must pray for us. You must help us by prayer. Here's a good, that, that famous word, so that. <laughs> Why do people pray? Why do people serve God? Why must we be busy serving God, ministering to others? So that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Paul is saying is when you pray for us and people see us comforted and taken care of, they're going to praise God. The news will spread. Did you hear what happened? Did you see how the church came? Did you see Paul dealt with this ministry? Paul dealt with this situation and, and was grateful. And, and, and look at the, how the church rallied and prayed. And look how the church, we read stories about that, right? Y'all remember the story where they were in jail and the church prayed and the jail opened we still tell that story we're still excited by that and we praise God for the miracle done and when we serve and when and and, and it's in our affliction if Paul and them had never been locked in jail we wouldn't be praising God for his deliverance from that cell even now thousands of years later and so often our affliction will cause others to praise God in truth in fact how many times have you Praise God because of how someone else handled affliction. How often have you been amazed? God must be really good to get them through that. I know that I have personally been inspired numerous times by, by many people, many of them within our own congregation because of how they handled adversity, because they were thankful in these moments, because they, they let people serve them or they served others. And, and I watch what goes on and I'm like, God is good. In the midst of the craziest situations. And I'm always encouraged and I'm always amazed because we, his people, are instructed and expected and often do live in gratitude in the most adverse situations. And I think the final result is what we all want. Ultimately, others praise God because of what we endure, especially when we endure it rightly with the gratitude that comes from our hope in Christ.